Psalms 100. I think we have about seven more that we're going to be doing. I think we go to. Um, I think we're going to be going to Psalm 107. That's how far we're going. Or some, somewhere in there, I can't remember exactly. But I've been enjoying these. This one is a very familiar psalm. It's a pretty short one. But that's alright. I know how to drag stuff out. And you all know that. No, it's good. And I'll try not to drag it out. But look what it says. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. So what I want to preach about tonight, using this passage, I think is a very important thing to talk about in church, is a very important part of church, and that is proper church music. Proper church music. The music that we sing in church is very important. Now thankfully, you know, since uh, in the seven years that we've been here, we've never really had conflict with music. You know, we, I haven't really had people, you know, trying to push a certain type of music, but that is very common in a lot of churches where you have people, they come in and they all have a certain type of music that they like and they just want, they want to force it on everybody. And if you don't like their music, you don't like them. Okay. And I'm sorry when people's lives are just so pathetic that they are defined by the music that they listen to. Okay. That is, that is really sad, but um, people fight all the time over music. There's churches split over music. And, but the thing is, it is, it is important that we have the right kind of music in church. And there's many passages about music in the Bible, especially in Psalms. But I think Psalms 100, we see some really clear principles in here to follow when choosing the type of music that is appropriate. And you know what? It's not as hard as you think to figure out what is appropriate or what is biblical church music. It's not that hard. The only people that struggle with this are carnal Christians. That's it. They're the only people... I get, a lot of the principles that I would share... I mean, there's lost people that would agree with many of the things I'm going to, many of the things I'm going to say. Liberal Christians are the only ones that struggle with it. Liberal Christians are the only ones dumb enough to think that music is amoral. There are many, many liberal Christians try to teach that the music in and of itself there has no morality to it. It doesn't matter as long as the words are okay. That is a foolish, foolish statement. I had somebody here in town that goes to Harvest Time. They're known for kind of their rocky music and stuff. And he tried to tell me that one time that music is amoral. And I told him, I said, liberal Christians are the only people in the world that think that. You go talk to any artist, anybody that knows music, and they will absolutely disagree with you. In fact, you go try to tell some rock singer that the music itself that he plays, the music, not the words, you go try to tell him that it's not sexual in nature or sensual, and he will be insulted. They know it is. Liberal, carnal Christians are the only people that are dumb enough to think that music is amoral. And that it's, it is a foolish, foolish statement. But something we need to understand about music is that music, too, and it's kind of a neat thing about music, is music is it's, it's a universal language. It really is. It's a, it's a universal language. And you know what? In verse 1, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And you know what? Joyful music is joyful pretty much any culture. There is a difference between joyful music and sad music. There is a difference. And it doesn't matter what culture it is. There is certain music that people want to dance to. Some that people would want to sleep to. There's just there's there's different types of music for different things, and the type of you know music that uh, you know so well in different cultures even if they have different languages you know there's certain styles and and things that are going to be similar. Obviously, there are some things that are very specific to a certain culture. Okay, for example, you know polka. All right, all right. We all know what polka music sounds like. I mean, what, what's the first instrument you think of when you think of polka? The accordion, right? That's one of the first things you think of. 
And you know, and that is that you know that's that Bohemian or the Czech, Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic now is what it's called. That's kind of that area that that's known for. And you know what's interesting too with polka is there's a specific way people usually dress. If you hear that too, yeah. If, if you if you're hearing that type of music, you know they usually uh, dress like at any moment they could break out into a mob with you know torches and pitchforks and attack Frankenstein's castle. That's pretty much what they look like. Uh, if you're familiar with with polka and stuff like that, but you know polka, you could say that that is a type of joyful music, couldn't you? You know, now should we have polka in church? All right, okay, it's joyful. All right, it's it's pleasant. But what are some other things that are associated with polka? Drinking. Okay, now only only a liberal Christian who wants to use polka music in the church would say that's foolish. But I challenge you, you go buy any polka CD and there's going to be songs about beer on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, roll out the barrel, stuff like that. There's going to be music about beer. You go to any polka festival and there's going to be people you know, dressed up like that and there's going to be drinking. There's, there's going to be beer associate, you know, associated with that. So, you know, we don't want to have that in church because our music, okay, church music, it should be sanctified. It should be holy. It's something that's set apart specifically for the worship of God. We'll say more about that in a little bit. But, you know, what should we think of when thinking about Christian music? Alright? I'm talking about music in church. And listen... If you like polka style music, I don't think y'all be listening to songs about beer. Okay, don't see, don't yeah, don't don't be singing "Roll Out the Barrel," "Roll Out the Barrel Fun," stuff like that. You know, you don't need to be singing about drinking. All right, but you know, I like accordion music. I used to play the accordion a little bit, stuff like that. I didn't really like the polka stuff that much, but you know, there's music that I think is appropriate for you to listen to in your own time. Okay. I mean, do we really want to be playing Stars and Stripes forever in church? You know, is, is would that really be appropriate for church? But is that inappropriate music? You know, when you're at home? No. Completely inappropriate for church. And I think we'll see that as we go through some of these principles in this message. And what people will try to say is, you know, well, when it comes to music and styles and stuff like that, it's based on your opinion. No, it's not. Only a liberal Christian would say that. Any musician... You know, the artists, they would all agree that is not true, that that is a foolish statement. And so, let's look at a few things that we ought to expect from music that we hear in church. And notice what, in the very first verse, says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Okay? And you know, that's just something to say too for the Catholics who like their depressing organ music. Okay, now, if you're a Catholic, you should be playing sad music. All right? But at the same time, just don't call it church music. All right? Church music that's in the house of God, it ought to be something that's joyful. Hey, part of the reason we come to church here, you know, we come to worship. We, we come to serve the Lord. And we're supposed to serve Him with gladness. And it helps if you have some happy, uplifting music going on. That's how we start our services out. We start our services with singing. Why? We're trying to lift ourselves up. We're trying to praise the Lord, but we're also trying to lift ourselves up. We want to be joyful. We want to have a good attitude. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, we've had a long day at work. I had a long day at work today. And you know, you come to church and you're tired. You're not feeling real spiritual. And that music can kind of help get you in more of a spiritual mood. Maybe you're depressed, but you know, you start singing some of those good hymns and you hear that piano playing, you hear everyone singing. It can kind of help you forget about what you just went through that day at work, and it can get you in a better frame of mind before the preaching starts. But you know what? If you've had a bad day at work, you know, and it's been all rough and depressing, and then we just get up and we're singing country songs, how is that going to help? You know, that, that's not going to work. That's just going to get you more depressed. You know, we don't need to be... And that's the thing, too. We've got a lot of these Christians that always want to take worldly songs and change the words and put Christian words. You know that goofball clown Greg Locke. He, I was somebody. I saw a video one time. Somebody showed where 
he was they were playing the song Friends in Low Places or something, a country song, but they changed the word to like friends or whatever the name of his church is. And I'm thinking nobody knows the words to whatever it is that they're doing, but everybody knows that tune. And you know what everybody's thinking whenever they're singing that song? They're thinking about the friends in low places. I was thinking, you know, we're not gonna, you know, we don't do that. And the, and once again, a country song, you know. And what are country songs always all about? It's always about, you know, your girlfriend, or your wife cheating on you and stuff. And maybe that's why he likes it. You know, guy cheats on his wife, gets divorced, gets remarried already. You know, maybe that's why he likes that. He listens to that all the time. Wants it in church too. But at the same, you know, that's that's not appropriate. Our music ought to be joyful, and joyful music is not a matter of opinion. Okay, we all know what funeral music sounds like. You know, we all know what joyful music sounds like. These things are not a matter of opinion. Turn over to Psalm sixty-six. You don't have to turn to all these. I'm going to jump around to a few places because this is mentioned many times in the Book of Psalms. But it says, "Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name." Make His praise glorious. We ought to try to do good. Now, I'm all for somebody getting up and singing off key or some kids learn how to play an instrument and they want to play in church and they mess up a little bit. Hey, that's fine. We're trying to work with them. We want them to you know, keep on trying. We want them to practice and get better. But it ought to be our goal to make our music sound as good as possible. Hey, let's make His praise glorious. We're singing about a great God. Let's see if we can't just... Make this song really sound good. Let's see if we can't have that four-part harmony. Let's see if we can't add some instruments. And let's just really sing it out and make this a beautiful song that will just really uplift people. Hey, we're singing to God, aren't we? We're singing to God. If you were going to go and you were, you know, when you were courting your wife, and anybody ever tried the thing where they used to do on they used to do on TV all the time, where you know where they serenade them outside their window? I never did that. I never, I never did anything like that. But you know. Hopefully, if you did that, you would try to do a good job. I, I had a cousin. I remember growing up that she she was she wasn't the prettiest thing you ever saw in your life. And I remember we heard she was getting married. We were all shocked. And she so found somebody that wanted to marry. We found out the guy was almost blind. But anyway, I remember and uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. And I remember we we went to their wedding, and he surprised her with a song on his guitar. He wrote a song, and he was playing the guitar, and it was awful. I mean, it was it was so bad. And, but you know what? He did the best he could, and here's the funny thing. She ate it up. I mean, she loved it. And I remember as a kid sitting there, you know, dude, I'm just, you know, I'm about to die laughing. And man, did she love it. I mean, guys, you want to impress your wife uh, when you get married, you know, surprise her with a song like that. You know, it really worked, it really worked for him. But, uh... Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> it was it was funny. I, I wish I had that on video, but you know we ought to try to make it good. We ought to put some effort into it. You know we don't want to just half heartedly throw things together. We ought to do the best we can with our music. Psalm eighty one two says, "Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery." All right, the pleasant harp. You know it ought to we ought to, it ought to be something that's pleasing. All right. There's some music, like, once again, we don't want to be music snobs. We don't want to be down on people. You know, we want to give people a chance to try to perform and, uh, you know, play in church. Because you got to practice. you got to start somewhere, right? But the goal ought to be that it be pleasant. And if, we gotta, you know, if we're up here, I'm sorry, rock music is not pleasant music. That headbanging stuff, just beating on the drums and all that, that's not, that's not pleasant. And you know what? Neither, and it's not pleasant either when you're singing. If you sound like you know a, a pig being tortured or something like that, you know, squealing, you know that that's bad too. You know, you need to do your best, but it ought to be our goal. We ought to try. I've known some people that they sing horrible, but the pro, and the thing is, I'm not so down on them for being just a bad singer. But it's like they make no effort to improve. It's like you know, try, do your best. Put an effort. Well, as long as I just make a joyful noise. Well, that's not a joyful noise. Alright? That's a noise, but it's not joyful. And nobody else is feeling any joy. And it's definitely not pleasant. And, you know, 
said, God sees the heart. But you know what? Some people's hearts are just lazy. They're not even really trying. And you know what? If that's you, then just just smile and sing watermelon. You know, just move move your mouth and uh, you know don't don't go discouraging everybody else. Psalm ninety five one says, "Oh come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the Rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods." So since He's the greatest King, since He's the best that there is, should we do the best we possibly can? I know none of us are the best. I know we're not the greatest and anything like that. But boy, we ought to make an effort. We ought to try. And especially too, if you want to have a part in the music that goes on in this church, I'm not telling you got to be an expert. I'm not telling you got to go get a master's at Juilliard or something like that. I'm not telling you that. But if you want to participate, you know what? I want to see people who are putting an effort into it. People who are trying. And I want to see you working at it and getting better because our Lord is worthy of that. If you just want to be lazy, listen, any of us can pick up any instrument and make noise. I can pick up a violin and I can make some noise. But it's not going to be pleasant to anybody. And you know what? If I didn't, I'm just every week, I'm just, you know, and there there'd be some old lady out there, oh, bless his heart, he's trying. No, I'm not. I'm not practicing. I just like getting in front of people and looking like I'm doing something. Alright? If I really did have a good heart, I'd go home and I'd practice. And I would do the very best that I could. Because I'm doing this for the Lord. So we need to think about these things. Singing is a proper way to come into His presence. Come before His presence with singing. The music that we bring in the presence of the Lord. It ought to be holy. It ought to be sanctified. So in other words, there's some music that should be exclusively for religious worship. There's nothing wrong with if our music is completely different than everything that's in the world. And I'm getting fed up with these queer little trendies that are out there that are just ganging up Christian music, trying to make the music sound like the world's music. I'm sick of seeing their musicians dressed like a worldly musician, looking like look, you know, the drummer in the liberal church looks just like the drummer in the bar. You know, why can't a drummer have a haircut? Is there, is there something about long hair that makes you play the drums better? You know, an electric guitar? You know, why do you have to look like a punk? Why, do you got, why is it that most of these musicians all look like they're on drugs? I, I, does, does doing drugs make you more musical? I don't know. Never tried not plan on trying it. But you know what? We ought to have some rules. You know, if we're going to have musicians, you know what? We ought to have standards for how they dress. When they're up there, when they're up in church playing. If we have singers, we ought to have standards for how they dress when they come up to sing. When you come up to sing, you know, or whenever you come to play an instrument, you're not, that's not supposed to be to draw attention to yourself. We're trying to praise the Lord. We're trying to worship the Lord. We're trying to be a blessing to people. But if all people can see is your crazy hair and your crazy outfit, if that's the thing they notice first, then you know what? You're distracting from what it's really all about. And you know, a lot of churches, they don't even want to do special music because they don't want to mess with all the foolishness that often comes with it. They don't want to mess with you know the rules and things and making women mad because, nope, sorry, your outfit is inappropriate for standing on the platform. And you know what? I don't think we're at that point. We haven't had any trouble with that. But it is. It's a real problem in a lot of churches. you got a lot of people, they just want to get up and they just want to showcase their abilities. And you got a lot of women, the way they dress when they sing, it looks like they're wanting to showcase their bodies. No business doing that in church. That's not what this is all about. That's not why we're doing this. So look at verse 3 of Psalms 100. It says, Know ye that the Lord He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The music that is meant for worship. The music that is in church. Now get this. Right? I know that I know this is the millennial generation, okay, or the millennial generation, as I've heard it called. I know this is the most narcissistic generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. The people are consumed and obsessed with themselves. But listen, it says in verse three, "The Lord He is God, 
It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Okay? You didn't make you. God made you. He's the Creator. And the music that is in church ought to be made or meant to please God and not ourselves. It ought to be meant to please God. But you know why Pastor Trendy wants to keep changing the music in his church and make it more worldly? Because he's trying to please the audience. He's saying, you know what? You know, we want to get the young people in the church. I just had an interaction online today. Anybody know who Josh Agan is? He is who the book Born That Way is all about. He is the queer that supposedly got converted. And I saw a thing a long time ago when all that was going on in some blog post he did just talking about millennials in church. And he was talking about how, you know, they like new songs, and he was—I mean, he—that article—he was just basically encouraging people to lighten up with the music, and talking about how to please the millennial generation with music in the church. Um, guess what? We're not here to please the millennials with the music. We're here to please God. And obviously, that Josh Egan would support gaying up the music, seeing the guy's a queer himself. You know, I thought it was interesting too that Josh Tice, the guy that I, that, I mean, that is homoing up Baptist churches like nobody ever has before. That, when he wrote that article a couple years ago about the new independent Baptist, I was looking at that blog a while back, and you know who was on there leaving positive comments? I didn't know who he was when I was originally reading it. Josh Agan. Josh Agan. Agan him on to queer up Baptist churches. And boy, is he doing it. Boy, is he doing that. But the, listen, our, we are not trying to figure out how to please the community with our music. We're not trying to figure out how to please the millennials with our music. We're trying to figure out how to please God with our music. That's what we're trying to do. And you know what? We see that one God likes joyful. He likes the joyful noise. We see that God wants it to be done in a good way. God wants us to play skillfully and with a loud noise. He wants it to be glorious. We see that God likes things to be sanctified. So we're not going to take something that belongs to the world and let God borrow it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have stuff. That, hey, this is, this is the Lord's music. This is for Him. These songs are about Him. These are going to be songs that please Him. These are going to be songs that are biblical. And I'll say more about that in a little bit. But our goal ought to be to please God in our music. But that is not what's happening in churches today. The music that is coming in churches today, they're always trying to figure out how can we please the crowd? How can we please the community? How can we reach the younger generation? That is not why we are here. And in case you forgot, he said right there in verse 3 of Psalms 1, chapter 100, The Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. And so we've got to get over this attitude and you know what? I'm not going to try to please people. We had that one guy. He, he lives not far from here. He's this long. He has this long curly hair. Really gross guy. First time he came to this church, he sat back there, and I, we had some song going on. It was a slower song. He's just back there, and he's he's doing one of these numbers and stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, great, one of those, you know. And he only came to the church a couple times. But I remember after church, you know, he was talking about, you know music and how we ought to have more modern stuff like that and you know we don't necessarily have to have you know you know the music like you guys use here you know these these songs are really old my grandma sang these songs is what he said and i said so you don't like because it it's old so no and i was like so what do you think about the bible then it's really old (laughs) you know and i said well just so you know we're going to keep singing the hymns that your grandma's listened to and he didn't come back and you know what Hallelujah! All right. I didn't want that guy here anyway. But you know, we're not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not worried about pleasing long-haired hippies. I'm not. Wor- I'm not worried about that. I'm trying to please God. That's who I'm interested in pleasing with the music. And we just got to forget about that. If you invite a friend, you have somebody come here, and they say, you know what, the music here is boring. I don't like it. I like country. I like rock, or I like you know that rock and roll church their music more upbeat. Say, well, guess what? We weren't trying to make you, please you with it. We were trying to please the Lord with it. That's what we were trying to do. And that's not going to intimidate me one bit. You know, we're here, we're only here a few hours a week. And we only sing a short part of that time. Alright? If you just have to have that other music in your life, you've got all the rest of the week to listen to that. Can we not have one place 
where we don't have head-banging stuff, where we don't have worldly stuff, where we don't have sensual stuff. This is the house of God, but it's like these queer little trendies that are bringing in all this you know, contemporary music. It's like they think that they're responsible for the mu- you know, giving these people their fix on whatever music they're addicted to. You know what? They can have it all the rest of the week. They don't need it in church. People should not be coming to church to get entertained. We're coming to worship the Lord. So we're going to try to please the Lord with our music. Look at verse 4. It says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Oh, guess what? It looks like when we come to church, we're supposed to be thanking God. It looks like we're supposed to be praising Him for what He's done. But what do most people do today? What does the millennial do when they come into church today? Well, Lord, I'm here. You're welcome. You know? Lord, I'm here, but boy, I sure got let down today. That music was boring. I, I didn't like that music. That wasn't fun. I didn't like the preaching. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. I didn't get anything out of that. Oh, really? I didn't realize we came to church to get stuff. I thought we came to worship the Lord. I thought we came to please Him. I thought we came, we're supposed to come with a thankful heart. But what do they do? They come in with an unthankful heart. They come in with an attitude of give me something. You know, make me feel good. Entertain me. Put on a show. Do something. That's the attitude they have when the Bible says enter into His gates with thanksgiving. We ought to come walking in here with a thankful attitude. And you know what? Sometimes we might need a little help with that. So we're going to sing some songs like Count Your Blessings. We're going to sing some songs about how great God is. We'll sing songs like Thank You, Lord. Those things will maybe help us actually do that and help us be thankful because once again, we don't always think about that stuff. You know, some of you all the whole way to church, you're listening to the radio the whole way here and you're hearing all the commercials and hearing about all the things that you don't have that you need to get. And you have a very ungrateful attitude. You know, and so, if you're going to be carnal all week long, if you're going to be carnal on the way to church, can we at least be spiritual for one hour and sing some songs about being thankful? Try to help you out a little bit. I personally think you ought to be listening to some spiritual stuff every now and then. Maybe especially on the way to church. You know, because we might not always sing a song about thankfulness or something like that. But I think it's important that you have some good Christian music that you listen to on a regular basis. You know, we shouldn't just listen to good Christian music at church, although we should, it should only be good Christian music at church, but you ought to be listening to some throughout the week too. It'll make a big difference. So notice how in verse 3, we see, you know, God, He's the creator of everything, and we should be serving Him, right? But, notice how He's telling us to be thankful, but then why? Because God blesses us and does great things for us. Okay, verse 3, Know ye not the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. And then in verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth in all generations. So we see that God does all these wonderful things for us. God does all these good things for us. I mean, God gave us the life that we have. He bought eternal life for us. He gives us daily blessings. He's indwelt us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us all these wonderful things. Okay? And yet, He's God. He's one that Shouldn't we be doing everything for Him? I mean, shouldn't that be our attitude? And the thing is, if we have the right kind of music, if, we're, if our music is focusing on the right things, guess what? we might actually come into church with an attitude of, alright, how can I please the Lord? Hey, what can we do to make sure our music is pleasing to God and not just pleasing to me? But I'm telling you, that is not the attitude today. You don't put on a good musical production in a lot of churches, people aren't going to come back anymore. Have you ever wondered too, a lot of people don't even realize this, you know, you ever, have you ever watched Joel Osteen preach? And then you just look and you say, how does anybody, why does anybody go there? You see that huge stadium full of people to hear Joel Osteen preach, right? Well, you know what? Most of those people aren't there to show him preach. Have you ever seen the shows they put on before he goes and preaches? They put on some pretty fancy productions. I mean, I, they do all kinds of 
music things and dancing things. I, I've seen some of the pre-show, or if you want to call it that, before he gets up and preaches. And you know what? A lot of people go to that. They, they go to watch the show. They go to watch production. Now, some people go to see him because he's famous, because he's a celebrity, and they want to get a look at the celebrity. But good gravy, there's no way people are going to get fed anything spiritual. There's no way. There is no substance to anything that man preaches. But you know what? You get a great show of carnality before. And that's why those people are there. That's why they're there. And the thing is, you get a bonus. You can go to a concert. You can go get entertained. A lot of times they do little plays and things. You can go watch a dance. Almost a Broadway production. Some of these big churches put on some pretty fancy productions. And then guess what? You get that great show and you get to call it church. And then you wonder why he has a stadium full of people. It's not just for the preaching. If it was just the preaching, there wouldn't be near as many people there. And so, that is the, you know, that is the real secret to his success right there. So, uh, look at, um, lost my spot. So, God, yeah, God's not asking much when he asks us to praise him. He's definitely worthy of it and to give him credit for all the wonderful things he does. And we should have zero interest in trying to please the world with our music. Zero. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 22. And verse 50 says, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. You know why Pastor Trendy is wanting to modernize the music? is because he is embarrassed by the Christian music whenever the lost people come to church. They don't want to look like a square. They don't want to bore those people. And they are... A lot of their music, it's not just geared towards the carnal people in their church, it's the lost. That's why they're dressing down in church too. Why? Because they don't want to make lost people feel uncomfortable. But you know what? They, the Second Samuel 22 says, you know what? I'm going to praise His name. I'm going to praise the Lord among the heathen. You know what? I'm going to do it in front of them. I'm going to let them see how I worship. And you know what? We've seen it in these other Psalms. One of the things that we're promoting about God is His holiness. How do we promote a holy God with sensual music? How do we you promote a holy God with sinful music? You can't. You're not promoting His holiness. And people need to see there's something different. There's something special. There's something clean about it. And it, it's, not, it's probably not going to be appealing to their flesh. But we're trying to be spiritual in church. That's what we're trying to do. That is that is the goal. Um, Psalms ninety six, three and nine. We looked at this a few weeks ago, but it says, "Declare his glory among the heathen." Oh, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, we do, because they need to see their need for a savior. They need to get saved. Declare his glory among the heathen and his wonders among all people, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. Why? Because he's better than all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. So we do see our God stands alone and stands apart from all other gods. And anything we can do to make our music special and for Him, we ought to be all over it. If you don't like it, if it's not what blesses your dirty, sorry carcass, get over it. It's not for you. It is absolutely not for you. Well, you know, one time our hymns were probably considered the contemporary music. Listen, I, I don't know about all that stuff, and I don't, I don't know what people were saying back then, but one thing I'll say about these hymns, they stood the test of time. Okay? They're, they're still around for a reason. And... If you want us to sing in you know, some of these stupid modern songs that are coming out, you know, talk to me in 50 years. You know, they won't be around. And you know what? Nobody's going to want to be singing those songs 50 years from now. You know why? Because they stink. You know why? Because they're lame. You know why? Because fashions and trends change over time. But you know what? The Word of God abides forever. It stays the same. And so a hymn or a song that is biblical, 
that is godly, that is the way it's supposed to be, it will stand the test of time. But not your, not your junk that you want to bring in. Not your little 7-Eleven that you're, that you're going to want to sing that might be you know, on the top charts right now, but nobody will give a rip about it 10 years from now. So these hymns, they've stood the test of time, and I think that says something about them. They're still around for a reason. But uh, the truth of God is always going to be around. Psalms 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Okay? Now, it's hard for me to believe that His truth is going to endure to all generations, the way Bibles are corrupted, the way doctrine is being corrupted. I'm telling you, I just... My mind is spinning at just all the false doctrines that are popping up all the time. And I just want to say this too. I'm just going to throw this, <clears throat> throw this in there for a bonus. But, you know, somebody, I, I brought in, I let you all watch the Tyler Doka documentary we did, The Mark of the Beast. That guy, if you haven't heard, has just come out. He just had a guy in his church, before he preached it, he got up, said, I agree with this guy, I'm for him, and he preached that not all saved people will escape the lake of fire. That's what he preached. He is preaching that saved people, if you're aren't all saved people aren't saints. So in other words, if you don't live up to a certain standard as a Christian, he said, this is what they're teaching, this Justin LeBlanc goofball. This Justin LeBlanc, this demonic clown, he gets up in church, and when he says the title of a sermon, He's like laughing about it. He's giddy and laughing as he gets to say the title of my sermon is not every Christian's going to escape the lake of fire. That's funny. Listen, if I found out that we were wrong and it turns out we're not really as saved as we thought, that it turns out that we actually, even though Jesus tasting death for us doesn't mean we don't have to taste death, and that we might have to do some time in the lake of fire, I'm not going to get up in church and laugh about that. You know who laughs about something like that? Some sick psycho would laugh about that. And he supposedly believes that, and he's up there laughing about it as he preaches to people in the church that they're going to probably have to do some time in the lake of fire if they're not a very good Christian. The Bible says that the lake of fire is the second death. The Bible says if we're saved, we have eternal life. If you do one second in the lake of fire, then you don't have eternal life. God lied to you. The Bible says Jesus tasted the death for every man. He did it so we wouldn't have to. The lake of fire is the second death. If you're saved, you will never taste that. Well, what if we do this? We have imputed righteousness, folks. We have the righteousness of Christ. We have been credited with His righteousness. Well, what about all these verses you use? Proving loses salvation. Every one of those verses, I do this all the time when I'm preaching. There are, there are a lot of verses people use to prove you can lose your salvation. A lot. But all of them, if you go and you read the whole chapter and you look at context, you'll see none of them are teaching you can lose your salvation. None of them. It's, it's just not there. And many of those verses, I've preached on that, especially the ones he's doing in Hebrews. This guy does not even have a clue what he's talking about. And he gets up and he preaches that kind of junk. Folks, that is, that is so wicked. To get up and say not every Christian is a saint, not every Christian is in Christ, that was one of them. Not every saved person is going to be raptured. Now, there's some Baptist writers that teach that. But I have never heard anyone who claims to be a Baptist that believes a saved person will have any time at all in the lake of fire. And just so you know, I have—I don't want to have anything to do with a bunch of nut job, not just heretics, okay, but a psychotic clown that would laugh at that and think that's funny. You know what? And here's why he laughed at it. This guy, is, this Justin LeBlanc is such a weirdo. He, he acts so crazy. You know why? You know, here's why he was laughing. It's not because he thinks it's funny that he ought to do Time of the Lake of Fire. It's because he's just giddy with excitement because he knew that was going to get a bunch of controversy and he was going to get a bunch of attention. The guy was just desperate for attention. 
And so he believes everything he hears. And to get up and teach something like that, that is just beyond wicked. And when you see these doc, these crazy docs, like how? Sometimes you're just like, we've got to be in the falling away, right? I mean, we've got to be in the falling away. It is just amazing the way the devil is causing division. Listen, things are so crazy right now. I, right now, I just, you know, me and a bunch of other people, we're being attacked by Bill McGregor on a doctrine, and we agree with him. That's how big of a nut job he is. I have seen some crazy things. I have seen people fight and split hairs over stupid stuff. But this is the first time in my life I have seen somebody cause division over something that we all agree on. And but Bill, and you say, how is that possible? Man, Bill McGregor is doing it. He is doing it. That guy, he just, he just called me out the other day because he was bashing Pastor Michael Johnson, trying to make it look like he said that Jesus could have sinned, even though he said over and over again Jesus couldn't have sinned. But because he didn't like one of the sentences the way it was phrased, he analyzed it to somewhere in his head he thinks it's possible Jesus could have sinned. And I just thought, I said, no, we can't. And then some guy on Facebook, he gets on under my comment, and he's like, oh, I agree with the video, and you know, I, I think it's possible Jesus could have sinned. And then, I don't even know who this guy is. And then Bill McGregor, who I agree with, who believes it was not possible for Jesus to sin, he gets on there, and he said, you see the kind of company you're keeping? Do you see what your heresy is doing? I'm thinking, you moron. I don't know who that guy is. And I agree with you. And you're talking about my heresy? And then he told me I was blaspheming Christ. Just it, it, Because I called him a nut job. I told him he was nuttier than a fruitcake. And I said all these bad things about him. And I said, I agree with your position. But that I was blaspheming Christ when I did it. That guy is so crazy. He is causing division over something everybody agrees with. And that, that I've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen anything like that. That is just beyond insane. But this is a, this kind of junk that's going on. You know, the, you know, I mean, the regular heresies you hear from the rucktards, I mean, just weekly coming out with just crazy new heresies. And you know what? Sam Gipp teaches... I've heard Sam Gipp teach before that you can lose the kingdom of God. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose the kingdom. He, he teaches uh, a form of that too. There's a lot of people that teach a form of that, but these guys have taken it to a whole new level. Like I've never heard anybody take it. And it's because, it's because they're kids. It's because they're kids who have no business running a church. Who have no, That Justin LeBlanc, if he would have got with any other pastor... Who was an actual adult, he wouldn't have ever been allowed to preach that. But he went with the kid who isn't qualified, who's just some young punk, obviously, some know-it-all who hasn't even been in church one year, and he's already introduced like ten new, you know, ten new doctrines. Good night, you know, get over yourself. How did the church survive for the last two thousand years without Tyler Doakin, without Justin Blanco, with all these revelations he's given us? in the last year. It needs to go jump in a lake. But that, here, here's why we have hope. See, this is why God preserved the Bible. This is why God inspired His Word and God preserved His Word because He knew in the last days that we're going to come scoffers walking after their own lusts. You know what they're doing? They're preaching what they want to preach. They're saying what they want to say. They're doing what they want to do. Whether it be in doctrine, whether it be in the practice, whether it be in how they dress, whether it be in the music that they play in their church, they were going to want to do their own thing. They were going to want to do that which was right in their own eyes. And thank God, He has preserved His Word. And that way we've always got something. We've got an anchor point. We've got something that doesn't move. We've got something that doesn't change We've got the Word of God. And this, my friends, is why it's so important. And we've got to watch out for this. Okay? Our Bible's inspired, but our hymn book is not inspired. Okay? I, I need to go through it one of these days. Occasionally, when we're, I only think about it when we're singing in church. 
every once in a while I hear another song, I'm like, we'll sing it. I'm like, that ain't right either, you know? And I need to go through and at least make one, you know, that like me and Brother Eric can use that's all marked off and everything. And then when they see, we see the marks, we can tell everybody, all right, hey, when we get to this line, this is how we sing it. It'd be a lot easier than writing it in every hymn book. But, uh, you know, yeah, this is not inspired, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, we definitely need to, we need to clean that up. We need to do it right. Because music, we remember music quicker than we remember Bible verses. It's easier to memorize music than Bible verses. You cannot find a verse in the, anywhere in the Bible that says, repent of your sins to be saved. But you can find songs in the hymn book. And then when you say that's not in the Bible, people are like, yeah, it is. And then they'll start quoting victory in Jesus or the old account was settled or something like that. That's not the Bible. That's in the hymn book. And we've got to make sure the doctrine is right in our music. And people, they act like you know, godly music. You know, it's a matter of opinion. The Bible says, you know, speaking and admonishing others with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay? Our songs are supposed to be Psalms and spirits are supposed to be spiritual. Okay? It means it's not according to the flesh. It's not about what appeals to the lust of flesh. It's going to be spiritual. That means one thing for sure that is not a matter of opinion. A spiritual song, its words are going to be biblical. They've got to be biblical. They've got to fit the Word of God. You know, many people, they act like, you know, that music or that truth, it's based on the current culture of the current time. And that's what a lot of these trendies are trying to point out. They're trying to make it like, you know, certain things move over time. I'm sorry, there's some things that don't change. There are are some things that don't change. And when 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 the Bible teaches something, those things are timeless. They don't change. And so we've got to make sure we're not always changing things and updating things. That we stick to the old paths. And we make sure we do things that are going to stand the test of time. And that's why we're not going to go try new stuff. And you know, people, oh, well, you're doing it. It was new. Okay, well, tell me when it started. Do you know when it started? Because I don't know when it started. I don't know when they brought pianos into the church. You know, I don't know when our style of music for sure started. You know, you can try to guess if you want to, but the truth is, we don't really know for sure, but I do know this, it's really old, it's been around for a really long time, and it still does the job. It's still working. You know, if you want to go to your trendy church, and you want to try all that new stuff, go ahead. But why is it, and this is without exception, there is zero exception on this. This is the way it goes. When a church goes liberal, the first thing that goes is the music. All right? it, it always starts with the music. You will never go to a church that has the liberal music, the contemporary music, for, that's had it for a year, and that church dress like we do. It, it just won't happen. You cannot dress conservatively with liberal music. It just doesn't work. You go to a church with contemporary sensual music, the preacher's going to wear skinny jeans, the women are all going to be up there in pants and not dressed very good, without exception. You're going to see all the purple lights and all those things change. And then, the next thing that goes is the King James Bible. It always goes with it. It's usually after all those things. But I'm telling you, you go, you go to any church that brings in the contemporary music, the dress goes next, and then the King James Bible. It, it's, it's the way it always goes. Why is that? You know why? Because this Bible will correct those things. This Bible, it's, it is, it's going to correct those things. You're not going to be able to keep preaching out of that King James Bible. It's just not going to feel right preaching out of the King James Bible in your skinny jeans. It's not going to work. Now, some guys are doing it right now. Just give them a little bit of time. And you'll notice right now while they're using the King James Bible... They're not using a whole lot of Bible. I, I dare you to find a sermon where they're preaching and using any of the verses to talk about being effeminate. Alright? They might read through it real quick, but they won't talk about it for any length of time. I promise you won't find that. 
It's just it's it's the way it goes because this King James Bible it cleans us up and it, it'll keep it'll keep our dress right, it'll keep our music right, and and we cannot allow songs to pervert the message of God. I'm not going to go to the scriptures I had on this, but the devil loves the message of the Word of God, and songs is a great way to do that. And you know one thing, one thing we see all the time too is like people people think oh, you know it's okay to change things a little bit, okay. It's like artistic license. They, they think God is okay with artistic license. Okay, We've all seen it before where people have bought the rights to make a movie from a certain book. And what almost always happens? The author is almost always furious about the movie because they changed so many things. They took that artistic license. But you know what? You can't buy off God. He's not going to give us artistic license. We are not allowed to change anything. We're not allowed to change one word. And thank God for that. Thank God He has preserved it so we don't go off into the deep heresy. So we don't become this liberal, effeminate church that just is teaching garbage, practicing garbage. Our music needs to be godly. And godly music is not difficult to define unless you're just desperate to use the music that is appealing to your flesh. The music that we use for worship should not be about us. It should be about Him. And that's the thing that you just you just need to get over yourself. And if, if you ever come to me and it's like, well, you know, I like this kind of music. Well, when you become God uh, and we're, we are commanded to worship you, then we'll sing what you like. And until that happens, we're going to sing to the One who made us. Because we didn't make ourselves. So, I hope this was a help to you. I hope you will keep godly music in your life and in your homes. And I hope you all help me to keep the junk out of this church. We don't need that stuff. We need the right kind of things. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for, for the gift of music and uh, what a beautiful thing it is. And dear God, I pray You'll help us to always remember uh, what it's about and who it's about. And I pray that it will always be our goal uh, to please You. With our music, Lord, I pray that we won't ever let this slip. It's it's uh, discouraging to see what's going on all over the country when it comes to music. But I pray, God, you'll help us just uh, stand fast on this and uh, make sure that we uh, keep things in check. We'll make sure we keep our music according to your word. And we won't let the message get perverted. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and start.